This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The province's vaccine booking website about to go live. We're going to have uh, a system in place that's going to allow people to register and then be informed when it's their turn to book. Can it stand up to the test with growing concern about variants and people packing into local parks? Get out! Get out! Crackdown on defiant restaurants. Doing what she's doing and defying it is not helping at all. The punishment for owners who refuse to follow the rules. And neighbors terrified by a smash and grab. My wife yells out, they're robbing the place. How some very determined thieves did a lot of damage. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The Premier calls it a major milestone in our fight against COVID-19. The online vaccination booking system for all eligible adults is set to open tomorrow. Our Richard Zussman joins us with more on what you need to know. And Richard, important to note here, this is not for everyone just yet. It is for the next age bracket. Yeah, it sure is, Sophie. By tablet by phone, by computer. At 8 o'clock tomorrow, it goes live, but the province is asking many British Columbians to be patient. A vaccine appointment at the click of a button. Four months into the province's immunization plan, and on Tuesday, the online booking portal finally goes live. I'm very positive about the fact that people want to register and want to get their vaccines. It's a three-step process. Register, book, and then get vaccinated. The province asking for patience. This is a system where you can register, then the system invites you to book, and then you book, right? So uh, people will be able to register, but we're asking people who are you know, close to being able to book now uh, because of their age, 65 and above, to register tomorrow. And I think uh, the system should work well. Those eligible to book now, the second step of the process, are Indigenous adults, the clinically extremely vulnerable, and those born in 1950 or earlier. And there's worried the demand from groups much larger than that will be high and crash the system. We don't have time to figure out a new system. We don't have time to figure out whether or not it's going to work. If our IT department can't figure that out beforehand, then it's already too late. There's also concern over variant spread, and that could have people ignoring the advice. Experience has shown us that people do not listen to that, right? And specifically when we look at a population that is hearing stories from the South, where you have 4 million people getting vaccinated a day, you're quite anxious. Eventually, everyone will be encouraged to register with the stated goal to have everyone with at least one vaccination by the end of June. But that is contingent on Ottawa delivering vaccine. There'll also be a provincial phone line that people can register at a service BC office. But experts say the online system is long overdue. For a long time, people have moved away from you calling Air Canada to book a ticket, right? And that is a smaller problem than we have hundreds and thousands of people going to be calling and jamming call centers, right? And so you absolutely need to move. And this online system has to work. 
Okay, once again, 65 and over can register as of tomorrow. 71 and over are eligible. <laughs> Richard. Yeah, that is exactly it. <laughs> All right, Richard. Just so we're crystal clear, I'm sure there will be some kinks to work out uh, tomorrow. But how does the vaccine delivery look over the next little while? That will make a big, big difference. And I know I confuse some people at five o'clock. So just like you mentioned, Sophie, let's take our time here. The 1950 group, so that's the 71 plus, they will be able to book, more will be able to register. But most important here is how much vaccine we have. So let's look at this. Moderna is coming in, but we still don't have that shipment we were expecting from last week. So that's 72,000 shots, puts around 112,000 expected this week for a total of 183,000 Moderna shots. We're expecting 183,000 doses of that for a grand total of 321,000 plus doses expected in BC this week. So that will make immunizations possible. It will move this line along a little bit quicker for those getting vaccinated and will ensure that more people can get registered more quickly as vaccine arrives, Sophie. All right, hopefully it all works out. Thanks for that, Richard Zussman reporting in Victoria. Now let's take a look at today's numbers. And keeping in mind, testing is usually slower on a weekend, especially a long weekend. We have 1,889 new cases since Saturday, bringing BC's total to just shy of 105,000, with 8,490 of those cases currently active. 318 people are in hospital, 96 in the ICU. That is our highest ever and sadly eight more people have died all right let's bring in keith baldry now for more on those numbers and the variants keith a lot of concern about the variants mm. particularly in metro vancouver where are we on that front yeah there should be concern because this of course is a much more transmissible virus it can spread more easily and our numbers continue to tick upwards at an alarming rate we're not as bad off as alberta and ontario in terms of where we are in variants but we haven't heard any variant update for four days so here's the update not good numbers uh, over the four, last four days 916 new uh, variant cases have been detected uh, 386 new active cases which brings our total to 588 active cases uh, 373 of those are of the UK variant, the B117, but the Brazilian variant, the P1 uh, variant, is starting to close on the UK in terms of active cases, with now 215 active cases for that virus. That virus is considered particularly dangerous because so far research shows the outcomes, particularly for uh, younger people getting Brazilian, can be more dire and severe than the UK or the uh, basic regular COVID-19. Uh, so again, keep an eye on our ICU wards and the numbers in the days ahead and the age of the people in the ICUs and how many variant cases are associated with hospitals and the ICUs. We don't have much data on that yet, but we're going to be collecting that in the days ahead. Record number of people in the ICU right now. Yeah. All right, with 96 there. All right, thanks for that, Keith Baldry in Victoria. Action has been taken against two Vancouver restaurants that defied public health orders over the weekend. Gusto Restaurant in the Olympic Village and Corduroy Lounge in Kitsilano have been heavily criticized for allowing indoor dining. Now they're at least temporarily out of business. Paul Johnson reports. Get up, get up, get up. Watch carefully, as this may go down as one of the most bizarre and appalling scenes in BC's pandemic story. The video appears to show health inspectors being shouted down as they tried to enforce the current ban on indoor dining at Vancouver's Corduroy Lounge. I am a woman. Here, 
Owner Rebecca Matthews appears to tell them they have no jurisdiction over her because she's a woman who follows common law. Though that's a familiar slogan from the conspiracy crowd, it isn't true. The abuse that was hurled at uh, staff that are just simply doing their jobs is completely unacceptable. So far, two Vancouver restaurants have decided to pick fights with authorities over the latest health orders, and the outcome has been predictable. Both Corduroy and Olympic Village's Gusto have now been shut down until April 20th. Their storylines about diminished revenue now simplified to no revenue. I called Rebecca, the owner of the restaurant, this morning. Industry advocate Ian Tostenson says he even offered to help Corduroy get tens of thousands of dollars in government grants they were eligible for, but he couldn't get through to her. He's not happy about the optics. I don't want the industry to be tainted and or brought down by one or two restaurants that decide to go rogue. We had health inspectors come in and people just told them to get lost. This man is a familiar face at Vancouver's pandemic denial rallies, raising the question of how much that movement is joining forces with these so-called rogue restaurants. Freedom, freedom. Freedom from customers now for the next few weeks. Paul Johnson, Global News. It appears thousands of people have ignored the warnings from provincial health officials and traveled outside of their community for the Easter long weekend. As Grace Key reports, things were so bad for one business owner, he actually shut himself down. At the Tawasin Ferry Terminal, people are heading back home with the long weekend winding down. Some on essential travel and some not. We were from Kamloops. We're going to be uh, Kamberly. I don't think we had any really worries. We just keep up with the guidelines and we're fine. On Vancouver Island, campers were spotted hitting the road. It was even busier at the Departure Bay Terminal. Some extra sailings were added to major routes, but BC Ferries says that was to assist with commercial traffic. Passenger traffic was down by half. <laughs> the Easter Bunny wasn't the only one visiting the resort town of a Soyuz, but the mayor says businesses are better prepared to deal with visitors. I can't stand down on the street and say to people, you shouldn't be here, you need to go home. I don't have any way of enforcing that, nor am I allowed to say that. So I can, I just hope that people are paying attention to what the guidelines are. Kelowna was busy with people out enjoying the sun, with some out-of-province license plates seen around town. Tofino also seeing an increase in numbers, though not as much compared with previous years. By and large, most people that have come this weekend are following the, the COVID policies much better than they were last year. You know, when a business uh, owner or employee says, look, we're, our business is full, please stay outside. Most people have been very compliant and understanding. That wasn't the case for Main Street Diner in Nelson. Open for patio and takeout, they closed their doors, stating many people were pushy and not following health orders. And there were a number of out-of-towners. Locals weighed in. Well, you know, if he's uh, forced to do it, he's forced to do it. And I'm just so unfortunate for me because I was wanting to have some fish and chips. <laughs> just abide by the rules. You want to come out and have a meal? Like... Especially coming out of town, just, you know, don't cause trouble. We'll have to wait a couple of weeks to see if this long weekend pushed up our COVID numbers. Grace Key, Global News.
And community-wide vaccinations are coming to Tofino and Euclid next week. The Island Health Authority has announced the shots will begin on April 12th for residents 18 years of age or older. It's part of an approach to vaccinate everyone at once in small, remote communities, similar to what we saw in places like Prince Rupert last month. Tofino's mayor is calling the news a major relief. An outbreak of COVID or a serious disease, you know, showing up with has a huge impact on us. And, and at the same time, we also have, you know, 600 or 700,000 people coming here a year. And so the risk is seen as quite high and the service is quite low. So for us, just, just to think that we can all get vaccinated is just so great, you know, so great for our community. Now, what should serve as a wake-up call for those who might be bending the rules? The list of Vancouver Canucks affected by COVID-19 grew a little longer today. Squire Barnes is here uh, with more in Squire. These are elite young athletes. They are tested every day, and yet they, many of them have contracted COVID. 17 now. There was only one added today, so I guess that is kind of good news. It was not a whole bunch more, although they're running out of players to put on that list. The Canucks actually have more players on the list than not on the list. Nils Hoaglander was added today. So let's update you. These are all the Canuck players who are on the COVID list. And I should say, the NHL puts out this list, but not all of these players may have necessarily tested positive for COVID-19. They might be in a close contact situation, and that's why they're being quarantined as well. But the NHL won't differentiate as to which players tested positive and which ones are just being told to isolate at home. But there you go, 17 guys on the list now with Nils Hoaglander being the latest. Uh, Now, we talked about the players getting tested every day. The COVID protocol in the NHL seems fairly strict, so it goes to show how infectious this disease is. But there are cases where these players are coming into pretty close contact. Well, Especially on the ice. I mean, off the ice, when the players leave the ice and they go to the dressing room, the dressing room has changed. The Canucks dressing room is bigger than it normally is. The players are quite spread out. They wear masks off the ice, but it's on the ice. As you can see here, this is the last practice Vancouver had before the NHL shut them down. It's an ice rink. You all know when you're in an ice rink, it's hard to hear each other, so you've got to be close. Mm-hmm. They're beside each other on the bench during a game. So those are the places where you would think, logically, that's where it can spread. I mean, you know, they're breathing heavily, they're working hard. (laughs) They're talking wildly. And I know the league is still talking about they'll be able to finish their season, but we'll see what happens in the days ahead. Yes, that's what the NHL thinks. They'll still be able to finish all 56 games. All right, we'll get more from you. Perhaps there will be even more developments come sports time. You never know. You never know. Thanks, Squire. Uh, Thieves preying on people seeking pets. Cute dogs get a lot of attention, but scammers are using them to steal from people with good intentions. How to avoid this pet peeve next on the NewsHour. Damning testimony from the chief of police at the George Floyd murder trial. What he says about the conduct of his officer coming up on the NewsHour. And pandemic? What pandemic? Later in sports, how the crowd at the Blue Jays game in Texas made it seem like COVID-19 doesn't even exist. Right now, though, if you are looking to adopt a furry friend to ease the isolation of COVID, you're not alone. The BCSPCA saw up to 100 applications for the same animal in 2020. And thieves are taking advantage of that desperation. Our consumer reporter, Andrea, is here with more on how to avoid paying hundreds of dollars for a dog that doesn't even exist. And Thanks, Sophie. Pets and pet supplies were the riskiest online scams in 2020, according to the Better Business Bureau, which estimates Canadian 
Canadians were bilked out of at least $3 million, with the average loss pegged at $750. What's worse, this year's scammers are taking a new approach. Now, if you're looking to adopt a rescue dog, you could be the next target. The BBB says scammers are impersonating animal shelters. So watch out for fake websites or online ads looking to rehome animals. Puppies are often the most common bait. If you message them, the seller may provide a convincing sob story about why they are no longer able to care for the dog. In other cases, they may ask for a refundable deposit to hold the puppy or payment to ship the animal to you. Once you send that money, the scammer will often ghost you or cut off all contact. Once you're comfortable, once you feel like they are who they say they are, and you make that payment, they really have no reason to keep contacting you or communicating with you afterwards unless they feel that there is somehow another opportunity for them to get more money from you. So here's how you can avoid being duped. Research the shelter. Check out the BBB Scam Tracker website to see if anyone has reported the organization. Search the shelter online using the words scam and fraud to see if there are any hits. Never buy or... It's a tale of two cities tonight when it comes to air travel. In Seattle, people were lined up out the door to catch a flight this afternoon. Meanwhile, as Ted Trinecki reports, Vancouver International faces a far different reality. It's still a ghost town at Vancouver International. Our cameras aren't even allowed inside. And very few flights are arriving or taking off. It's been like this for the better part of a year now. Contrast that to today's traffic at Seattle's SeaTac terminal. There are so many Easter long weekend travelers that the social distance lineup stretched well into the parkade. The United States has about 40% of its population with at least one vaccine shot. The UK, 50%. Canada, just over 15. That's important given that Canada's airline industry is based on a user fee system. Air travelers here pay indirectly for just about everything. The user fee model doesn't have any users, then you have a liquidity problem. NAV Canada is not able to operate uh, you know, uh, at full capacity because they're not gaining revenue. The U.S. government has been pouring billions into its airline industry. That, plus a far more aggressive vaccination rate, equals a dramatic increase in air travel. Passenger traffic in Canada has been trending down, whereas in some markets in the States, it's approaching the pre-pandemic level. Essentially, Health Canada has become the airline industry's regulator here, and some airports may not be there to regulate. The risks actually multiply beyond just the airports, but the smaller regional airports are facing a huge existential threat from this. But look at some of the deals being offered to Canadians traveling domestic. On Swoop Airlines, a one-way fare, Abbotsford to Toronto, $90. On WestJet, a round trip, Victoria Edmonton, $100. Vancouver Calgary, 126 and that's in July. Many airlines are very optimistic, anticipating a huge pent-up demand once this pandemic is under control. Destination Canada said that if Canadians shifted two-thirds of their planned international leisure travel spend towards domestic tourism this year, it could actually help sustain 150,000 jobs and could potentially accelerate a recovery of our country by one year. But with a third wave now hitting many parts of Canada, Health Canada isn't about to let more of us slip the surly bonds of this pandemic just yet. Ted Chernacki, Global News. 
Vancouver's civic election isn't for well over a year, but a well-known name has entered the race for the city's top political post. The NPA has announced longtime Park Board Commissioner John Kupar is its mayoral candidate. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, the party is being accused of cutting a backroom deal in making its choice. John Cooper is a longtime commissioner of the Vancouver Park Board. He was elected three times. Now he's hoping to be Vancouver's next mayor. I was asked formally if I would do it last week, and I took a little time to reflect on it, and uh, then I accepted. On Monday, he was announced as the NPA's mayoral candidate for the 2022 municipal election. That news taking many off guard. It is a bit of a surprise because uh, a lot of people have been waiting. Cooper tried to be the NPA's candidate in 2018, but lost to Ken Sim. Sim plans to run again. It appears like that party appointed John in a backroom deal. And it's my understanding that the elected councillors, all of whom are women, uh, weren't uh, aware of this decision and weren't given the opportunity to run in a democratic uh, nomination process. Cooper says his priorities as mayor would include cleaning up False Creek and making the city safer. But first, he'll need to manage divisions within his own party. Certainly I've worked with them all. I've been the caucus chair. So they've showed support for me in the past. I think that we we have always worked together quite well. The repercussions could be that people uh, don't like this process, don't like the board that made the decision about this process, and that they will split off and they'll go to other parties or other candidates. Cooper says he's hopeful he'll be able to bring everyone together. He has some time. The next municipal election is in the fall of 2022. Catherine Urquhart. Global News. Straight ahead, bumbling thieves bash their way into a building. We've owned the building for 30 years and haven't seen anything like this. The late night smash and grab that stunned several nearby witnesses. Also tonight, the funeral for a young RCMP officer who died under mysterious circumstances. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC, brought to you in part by the BCTF, our kids and their teachers, worth investing in. After a week dominated by emotionally charged testimony, the trial for ex-Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin enters week two. Chauvin is charged in the murder of George Floyd and today testimony from one of the most powerful witnesses so far. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the latest. He's the most high profile witness to date. At times, yes, uh, as a police officer, uh, you will have to use force. The chief of Minneapolis police who fired Derek Chauvin spoke at length about officer training. But on the day George Floyd died, he says that training was not adhered to. It's really about treating people with dignity and respect. Madaria Arredondo has openly condemned Chauvin's actions, saying the officer previously acknowledged the policy manual. Once Mr. Floyd had stopped resisting, and certainly once he was um, in distress and trying to verbalize that, um, that, that should have stopped. Monday also brought technical testimony. What was his condition in terms of his cardiac condition? He was in cardiac arrest. The hospital resident who tried to save George Floyd's life testified CPR had been administered but was delayed and upon arrival too much time had passed. Any amount of time that a patient spends in cardiac arrest without 
immediate CPR um, markedly decreases the chance of a good outcome. Uh, the defendant violated our policy in terms of rendering aid. The defense argues that Floyd suffered an arrhythmia complicated by drug use, but the doctor rebuked that, saying a lack of oxygen from a beating heart was a likely contributor to death. Based on the information I had, it was more likely than the other possibilities. Legal experts have noted the rarity of this trial. Few officers ever face a jury. More rare, the number of police willing to testify. Uh, I saw no reason why the officers felt they were in danger. Last week, the head of the homicide unit said Derek Chauvin's use of force was, quote, unnecessary. More officers are expected to testify, along with the county medical examiner, who ruled the death as cardiac arrest, with both sides now trying to convince a jury exactly how that happened. Reggie Chikini, Global News. Thieves crashing into a Horseshoe Bay business stunned nearby residents who woke up today to catch it all on video. West Vancouver police are investigating after a stolen pickup truck was driven right through the front of the Bay's convenience store at Royal Avenue and Bruce Street. Police say it was likely an attempt to steal mail or packages from the in-store post office, which also had an ATM. Well, at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, we heard this noise. I thought it was the garbage uh, people. They pick up garbage every morning. I thought it was that early. And um, I looked outside, and I saw this commotion going on across the street. And uh, my wife yells out, they're robbing the place. And so I just picked up the camera, and... Uh, there we were. Three suspects were seen fleeing the scene um, after they attempted to get their truck out of the building, however failed to do so. So officers arrived on scene as quickly as they could and requested assistance from both Vancouver Police K-9 and RCMP um, K-9. Vancouver Police K-9 unit uh, located and apprehended uh, one suspect while two remain outstanding. Police say the truck had been stolen in Vancouver. The building suffered significant structural damage. The funeral was held today for the young Richmond Mountie found dead of an apparent suicide in late February. Today the Thierra family is saying goodbye to her, and they say goodbye to her amid a ton of questions. Family and friends gathered in Burnaby to remember the life of 25-year-old Constable Jasmine Tiara. The family lawyer says she was four weeks pregnant when her body was found on the Moray Bridge. She died from a single gunshot wound to the head. There are at least three investigations underway. RCMP confirmed they are looking into allegations of an inappropriate relationship with a supervisor. A somber anniversary is being marked by the West Shore RCMP detachment five years after Constable Sarah Beckett was killed in the line of duty. Beckett was struck and killed by an impaired driver in Langford in April of 2016 while driving away from another police cruiser. The detachment says it has continued to honor her legacy over the years with a memorial, a garden and playground named after the 32-year-old mother of two. The detachment is also pledged to work tirelessly to identify and remove impaired drivers from our roads. Since Constable Beckett's death, they have conducted investigations resulting in more than 900 impaired driving-related charges. Kenneth Fenton was sentenced to four years in prison after pleading guilty to impaired driving causing death and dangerous driving causing death.
In Health Matters tonight, variants continue to be a major source of concern in Western Canada. The B117 variant that first emerged in the UK is growing exponentially in BC and Alberta. And now the P1 variant that first turned up in Brazil is beginning to surge as well. As Heather Yorick's West reports, younger adults are now facing an increased risk of becoming very sick. Hospitals in B.C. and Alberta are bracing themselves for what could be a devastating spring. We're now seeing the hospital and the intensive care units are younger people between their 40s and 50s who are having devastating responses to these new variants. But it's no longer just one new variant driving exponential growth. Last week, a large cluster involving the P1 variant that first emerged in Brazil was identified in the Vancouver coastal region. Many cases linked to an outbreak in the ski town of Whistler. BC Health ordered the ski resort to close as part of new restrictions to control viral spread. We're seeing the numbers of these P1 variants grow faster than we are for other variants. The P1 variant first emerged in Brazil in late December 2020. The first Canadian case was confirmed in Toronto on February 7th. BC didn't report its first case until March 9th. Alberta Health is also investigating what it calls a significant outbreak linked to a large employer with multiple sites across Western Canada. So far, three cases of the P1 variant have been confirmed, but that number is expected to rise. The emerging data does suggest that the P1 variant causes more significant, worse disease in younger people, worse outcomes, increased hospitalizations. There is also evidence the P1 variant virus can spread among those that have received a COVID-19 vaccine, though vaccines should prevent those infected from becoming seriously ill. There are not a lot of direct studies on vaccine effectiveness in P1. They're lab studies. And based on the lab studies, the vaccines that we have in Canada right now do have still an ability to neutralize the virus in terms of the antibody response. Good news for those who have got the shot, but of little comfort for most of us who remain vulnerable. Heather Urex West, Global News, Calgary. Still ahead, a transplant patient who almost missed the most important call of his life. It's just been miraculous. The last-minute scramble that tracked him down and got him to the hospital on time. And thousands answer the call of the wild, only to find packed parking lots. The arrival of some warmer weather just in time for the long weekend had many people flocking to Golden Ears and other popular provincial and regional parks. But with so many people staying close to home, those parks are once again seeing big crowds and major lineups for parking. While park users are asking why the day pass reservation system put in place last summer isn't being used now. Amadagahi reports. A sunny day at Golden Ears Provincial Park. The cell phone service disappears and it can be refreshing and tranquil. That's until the parking lot. That's a little crazy, definitely not what you expected. Which in this case starts well before the painted stalls. I'd say it's a little concerning in the sense of that there is not enough parking on a busy day like today. You have to cross that uh, narrow road bridge. Video shows how busy the park was over the long weekend. And on Easter Monday, it seemed everyone had the same idea. We thought a lot of people would be gone by now. But instead of isolation and an escape into the woods, they found bumper-to-bumper traffic. Yeah, there's like no spots up there. People are spaced out very awkwardly. It's at least uh, a solid like additional 15 to 30 minutes waiting around. Thankfully, people are like pretty patient. 
Last year, the province tried to curb the overcrowdedness with a reservation system. Parkgoers would have to log into a government website and register in the morning before showing up. But you ha can't get further north without a pass. Yeah, where is it? Something not everyone had heard of. We had to wait like an hour to get here and then they're just like, oh, turn around and go back, guys. Kind of a stupid idea why you have to have it. And because that was a pilot program, the ministry in charge of provincial parks says it is still looking into how effective it may have been before bringing it back for another summer. Yeah, I'm a little worried about how, it's busy, how busy it's going to be today. And while seeing the parking lot so full did cause some initial anxiety, the trails were a better place to keep distance. You have to only socialize right now. And this is a public health order in BC and has been since November with those in your, um, in, uh, in your household, only the people you live with. And as the health minister says, it's better to be outside than inside. For those trying to avoid crowded places, what was seen at Golden Ears this weekend could be a precursor to the many sunny days ahead. Emadigahi, Global News. And let's hope there are many sunny days ahead. Senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with a look at that forecast. And today was certainly one of those days, as we saw in Ahmad's report. Mm-hmm. And we've been treated to a couple of them, which was really nice for the long weekend. Certainly Easter Sunday, spectacular for many people. Uh, it is spring, though, after all, and we do tend to get back and forth type weather. And that's what we're going to see this week. So I'll break it down for you. But I tell you, we've had our email, uh, sorry, the weather window email inbox flooded with pictures of all of the blooms. Yes, we're in full force spring mode right now. Thank you to everyone who shared your wonderful photos with us uh, all across the Metro Vancouver. We're seeing the uh, uh, beautiful either plum or cherry blossoms in full bloom right now. Some a little bit behind the others, but nonetheless, look at that one all over. Now, it was very cold this morning. We had record lows across the province. Port Alberni down to minus three. That uh, tied the old record. Vernon minus 2.8. Lillooet minus 1.7. Victoria at near zero. And that was the case in Metro Vancouver, although we didn't break a record. It's not going to be as cold tonight. We'll see a little bit more cloud cover and we'll see a bit more cloud tomorrow as well. But generally, southern BC continuing with this trend with mild conditions and some sunshine. Wednesday, though, far different. Yes, we are expecting periods of rain Wednesday on and off, especially through the morning hours. Most of the moisture in through the northern regions for tomorrow, southern BC continuing with sunshine. It's Wednesday that we're going to see that push down into our region. And as I mentioned, we're back and forth this week. So although we'll see some sunshine tomorrow or rain on Wednesday, back to sunshine on Thursday and more rain on Friday and then back to sunshine on Saturday. So uh, just get ready for, for when the rain comes and uh, it won't last long. I'll leave you with tonight's central windows weather window. I don't know if you remember Easter Sunday. There were a couple of isolated clouds that moved from over the mountains from the north and they were dark and they brought hail and uh, mm -hmm. rain. And that's a nice shot of it. Thank you to Peter for that one. Yeah, great shot. All right. Thanks, Christy. Squires here now. The Canucks not playing hockey, but they are playing a waiting game. Yes, they are. And the NHL still thinks that they'll be able to play all the games that are scheduled. Obviously, they're going to have to move them around, but... The NHL doesn't know when they can reschedule those games because they have to wait until everybody's, at least enough guys are better to be able to play. We'll talk a bit about that. And uh, speaking of watching and waiting, the Canucks saw another Montreal win tonight. That's not good for them either. All right, Squire, we'll talk to you in a bit. Also ahead, how a transplant patient almost missed the operation that saved his life. That's where it is. More Canucks. 
on the COVID protocol list yes. than there would be left to play if they were playing. Basically, that's right. There are more on the list than not on the list. Uh, and despite 17 players now on the list for the Canucks, the NHL, as we said before the break, still thinks Vancouver will get in all 56 of its games. Today, the list only grew by one player. Rookie winger Nils Hoaglander was added. So maybe that's a sign that things are slowing down for the Canucks, or perhaps it's a sign that the virus is running out of Canucks to infect. Uh, we should say, though, that being on the COVID list doesn't necessarily mean that a player has tested positive. The NHL will not say if a player on the list has tested positive or is just on the list because they are considered a close contact and have to go in the quarantine. Now, the way things have gone, as Sophie just said, it really is faster to read the names of those who aren't on the list than the ones that are. We showed you the ones on the list earlier in the show. So this is basically the list of players who are not on the COVID list, and some of them are not on it because they've been hurt and away from the team, like Elias Pettersson, for example. All right, NHL tonight. The Canucks would like to see this guy win a game in regulation because the Oilers are playing Montreal. But unfortunately, it didn't work out. The Oilers actually had a 2-0 lead. Then the Canadians scored two and a third. Thomas Tatar tying it. And look who scores the winner. The new Hab, the old guy, Eric Stahl. Down the right side and beats Mike Smith. And Montreal wins this by the score of 3-2-2. Well, it was opening day for the Texas Rangers. And they wanted to party like it was 2019. So they put all their seats up for sale. And 38,293 fans showed up to watch the Rangers and Blue Jays play. Now, fans were asked to wear their masks to the game. But it seemed, if you watched the game, that some took their masks off and nothing happened to them because of it. So we're going to see in the next couple of weeks if this game turns out to be a super spreader event or not. Today only, from what we understand. To a lot of people, that's a frightening scene. And as you can see behind home plate, those people at those tables have no masks on. I know they're eating and drinking, but they still have no masks on when they're not eating and drinking. Anyway, that's a home run for Marcus Simeon to make it 3-0 for the Blue Jays. Then the next guy up, Kevin Biggio, also hits a home run. That makes it 4-0. This ball is gone. Biggio goes back to back with Simeon. Even Matt. Nine strikeouts. Matt throws balls by bats. One more Blue Jay run to show you. Gritchuk scoring in Vladdy Guerrero. So all those fans got to see their home team lose 6-2 to the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, for most young athletes in Canada, COVID has kept them from playing any competitive games for over a year now. But that doesn't mean that high-level athletes haven't still been practicing or working hard themselves to continuing their sport to get to a higher level, like these young ladies have. The players of the Vancouver Whitecaps Girls Elite Regional Excel program make up the top-rated recruiting class of any club in North America. Come the fall, 12 of these young ladies will head off on scholarship to major NCAA soccer programs. Uh, listen, I think they're extremely talented. Um, obviously we've got three, four different age groups in there and uh, these are some of the best players in Canada. But these girls are going to some of the biggest brand names of universities. They're going to University of Michigan, University of Texas, University of Alabama, University of Georgia, University of Miami, University of Colorado. Uh, the list goes on. That's pretty amazing what they've been able to pull off. 
Amazing because these girls haven't played a competitive match or faced stiff tournament competition since the pandemic hit. They've diligently trained as a team and on their own day in and day out for almost a year now. Thanks to their skill and the strong reputation of the Whitecaps Academy for developing young talent, NCAA schools are welcoming the girls into their programs. I think I've definitely become more self-motivated. Um, Mindset-wise, I think I've just been really excited to go down and I know I have, I have expectations, like I said, I need to fulfill. So I think just knowing that I still have to fill those expectations, just it's really just adapting to the situation. It's been really tough. Like the best part of soccer is playing games and everyone knows that. So when you're training and you don't get that outcome, it's really difficult. What's going to be even more difficult for these girls is living up to the high expectations their respective NCAA schools have for them. Even though they've been handed full-ride scholarships, if you're not starting or playing well at an NCAA school, you can easily be replaced. And that's not lost here. It's why they've been making every second and every moment they've been on the pitch count. I'm really excited, yeah. It's definitely, it's one of my dream schools, so I'm super honoured and I'm really excited to go. They know that from the second they land, eyes are on them to do well. And, as, and obviously what they do as well down there is going to affect future years. They, they obviously know they carry the mantle for the other kids that are coming up. And if they do well down there, girls that are three, four years from now will still be getting opportunity. Uh, the, the mindset on, on these young women is, is extremely, extremely high. So uh, I thoroughly expect them to succeed, yeah. Well, three years ago, Quarterback Sam Darnold was drafted third overall and considered the New York Jets' savior. Today, he was traded to Carolina so they can pick a new savior in this year's draft on April 29th. NFL teams are not very patient with quarterbacks if they don't work out quickly. They will dump them rather fast. In return, New York gets a sixth-round pick, a second- and fourth-round pick as well. There you go. All right, thanks, Squire. Here's Jay Durant now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. We'll have details on another Metro Vancouver charity hit by thieves. Staff at the Habitat for Humanity Restore in Langley arrived this morning to find the back door smashed and about $30,000 worth of donated tools stolen. It's the second time the store has been targeted since December. Plus, we'll have more on that attempted smash and grab in Horseshoe Bay that was caught on camera. We'll get an update from police on the search for two remaining suspects. Those stories and more coming up tonight at 11, Sophie. All right, thanks, Jay. Up next, a race against time for a Vancouver Island man waiting for a new heart. How he almost missed out on the most important call of his life. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. A Vancouver Island man is thankful that a heart transplant has given him a new lease on life. But the operation might not have happened if it hadn't been for the above and beyond actions of an RCMP officer. As Aaron MacArthur reports, it involved lights and sirens on to track down the patient to a remote lake late at night. Ray, they've got a heart for you. And I, was, I woke up and go, am I dreaming? <laughs> Ray Bruce has been living with his new heart for a few months now. Looking back at his surgery, he chuckles. He nearly slept through the call that gave him his second chance at life. I nearly, I nearly missed it. I know I was... 
Back in September, it was a routine night at St. Paul's Hospital when a heart became available for transplant. It was a perfect match for Bruce, who'd been on the wait list for just over a month. The only problem was when the surgical team called, he didn't answer. His wife Susie didn't pick up either. I've been religiously having the phone beside the bed. It was plugged in. The connection is very poor some days. I don't know if it's clouds or what. I was in touch with uh, Dr. Bashir, the transplant surgeon on call, and, and I said, you know, we've never been in this situation before. Uh, what should we do? And Dr. Bashir made the suggestion, maybe we should reach out to the RCMP, which seemed a little dramatic at the time, um, but uh, we really didn't want to lose this organ. After multiple tries and multiple RCMP detachments, a dispatcher finally agreed to send a member to find Ray. Considering it was past midnight, he couldn't rouse anyone either. So he did the next best thing. He flashed his lights and blared his horn until somebody came to see what was going on. But the neighbors was out there he, uh, with a flashlight. So he went along there and had our son-in-law's cell number. The Bruce is grateful for their new life. Without the donor's family, the surgical team, and a tenacious cop in Qualicum, it wouldn't have happened. I'm full of gratitude, believe me. I'm, never a day goes by without gratitude. I find a new lease on life every day is a new, a new day. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Okay, I have bad eyesight, but was that the heart? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a medical expert, but they were holding it very carefully. So maybe. <laughs> All right. Uh, something important. Yes, and, and luckily he got the call and he got the surgery. Yes. All right, Christy, final word to you. Yeah. Sure, so one more day of sunshine before the rain moves in, but it's back and forth this week. So uh, typical spring-like weather. Enjoy the sun tomorrow. <laughs> All right, thanks all. Thanks for watching tonight. Have a good night.